0: Hey, I'm Sandy, and I'm a quilter, and welcome to episode 154, in which I'm luminous and thready, and I am recording this on Wednesday, April 16th, 2014, Um, a little bit later than I normally do, but we had family in from out of town last weekend, and things just got completely away from me, up until including last night. Every night I kept thinking I was going to be able to record, and just never was able to, so I'm going to take the opportunity I have tonight, although I'm going to try not to... uh, record for too, too long because I really want to get some sewing done too. I'm kind of on a roll with a project that I'll be talking about in a little bit. So in this episode, uh, I'm going to be doing one of my 12 mistakes to learn from. I've got some announcements. I've got a little bit of a Sandy update, um, including an app review. And then I've got my content content in which I'm going to talk about my current project um, and about some thread. So before we get started, I want to say thank you to everybody for listening. Welcome to any new listeners who might be joining me. Um, Thanks for all of you who have been around for a while. I always appreciate it and especially appreciate the community on Twitter. Those of you who aren't on Twitter might want to consider it. It really is a lot of fun. Um, And it's also nice when we have stuff that happens and we have to quickly send out a quick emergency Hey guys, I need your thoughts and prayers right now because, and that's happened a few times with people in the last few weeks, including myself. Um, So anyway, that's always a lot of fun to be on Twitter. So just check it out. Okay, our, as if, well, let's say if you're a new listener, you don't know that I've been doing this. If you've been listening since the beginning of this year, you know that one of the things I decided to do this year in 2014 is every month I'm talking about a mistake I've made that... I hope to learn from, sometimes more successfully than others, but I also share it with you um, as words of wisdom, do what I say, not what I do. Uh, This month, I'm talking about how many times I tend to keep plowing ahead, even when I know I should just stop and walk away. And I'm talking about when I'm overtired. I have this thing where basically my brain just shuts down at nine o'clock at night. I don't know why. I never, I don't go to bed that early. I stay up well past that, but I can't really do anything that involves sharp pointy objects, (laughs) basically, is what it comes down to. Uh, Case in point, you know, this is something, like I said, I keep trying to remind myself not to do this, but just a couple of nights ago, I was going strong on my current project, and um I'm doing some free motion quilting with it and I was making some very pretty free form leaves and they were going very nicely and all of a sudden there were like three or four really wonky ones in a row and you know I hadn't changed position I hadn't changed anything it was just suddenly I was having some problems kind of controlling where I was going and I I stopped and I took a breath and was like, why did that, you know, and I looked at the clock and sure enough, nine (laughs) o'clock, it's just, it's apparently my own little personal witching hour. Um, I mean, how many times has that happened to me where I've been in a sewing marathon and I've been going great and getting all sorts of stuff and all of a sudden I just get stupid. You know, I'm, I'm looking, I'm doing paper piecing and suddenly I'm looking at the thing like I've never done it before and I can't figure out which way I'm supposed to flip something and I keep doing it backwards and all sorts of times I've had where I've really tried to work later than I should. I always I'm always amazed when I hear on Twitter or you know somebody's blog, yeah, I was up at three o'clock in the morning sewing or hey, I just had to plow through, so I was up past midnight. I can't do it even when I'm having my insomnia nights um if I do get up in the middle of the night, I can't sew I just can't pull my brain together enough to do it uh so Anyway, that's my, um, my mistake to learn it from, is that I'm really trying to learn to pay attention to me and my body. When I start going cross-eyed, it is time, no matter how anxious I am to get something done, it's time to just step away from the shme- machine you know, walk away, nothing to see here, just put it down, back away. Um, because even if I'm under a deadline and really want to get something done, I'm likely to just do it wrong and end up to ha- having to take more time to uh, rip out stitches. So I'm sure none of you have ever had the same experience. I am positive. All of my listeners are smart enough that when they start getting a little bit tired, they just stop. Um, you know, share your stories with me. If you've had times when you've kind of tried to push yourself and ended up just getting stupid, let me know. It'll make me feel better. So that's this month's mistake to learn from is to just stop working after nine. <laughs> I just can't do it. Okay, announcements. Um, I'm very, very pleased to be able to let you know about a new podcast, well, yeah, it's still pretty new. She's got, what, five or six episodes out now? It's the Slightly Mad Quilt Lady. Um, Ms. Lottie has started her own podcast. And, and thank you, Lottie, for joining the fold. It's really been a lot of fun. I am i haven't heard all the episodes yet, but I'm catching up on them. Um, I absolutely love listening to her New Zealand accent, to which I'm sure she would respond much like Ozzie Pip did when I referred at one point to an Australian accent. What accent? Who's got the accent? You're the one with the accent, Um, which is, you know, true. I'm sure. Hopefully you love listening to my accent and think it's wonderfully quaint, although it's hard to imagine. (laughs) Uh, But in any case, I really do enjoy listening to your podcast um, and I love following your blog. Uh, she is, Lottie is a woman after my own heart. She also hand dyes and we've been talking shop a little bit lately. Uh, recently, she dyed some batting and really got me thinking. So I am I was telling her in an email that um, after I'd read her blog post about it, that I had just like an hour before I sat down to read some blogs, I had been digging through my batting, my bin with all my batting in it trying to find a piece of batting big enough for this current project I'm working on. And I just had a boatload of scraps that I've shoved in there over the years. You know, I've got some old battings, but also some scraps. I keep having this thought I'm going to make, you know, like Christmas ornaments and stuff. So I keep even small scraps and I never make them. So (laughs) I don't know why I'm hanging on to all this stuff. And periodically I do piece smaller pieces of batting together to get, you know, a larger piece. Um, But it's just, it's getting ridiculous. I really needed to offload some of those batting scraps. And when I saw that she had dyed them, I was like, oh man, all of that batting is heading to my basement immediately. (laughs) So we were swapping some ideas about what to do with hand-dyed batting. Um, And yeah, it's true. Once you get into hand dyeing, you pretty much are going to dye anything that'll stand still (laughs) long enough for you to grab it. It's it's an addiction. Um, I always joke that at some point I will end up instead of having a golden retriever, I'm going to have a turquoise retriever (laughs) because he would actually stand still and let me do that. Princess Doggy wouldn't. Um, So anyway, everybody go out and give her a listen. The Slightly Mad Quilt Lady. It's a fun new podcast. Thank you um, for letting us know about it, Lottie, and um, welcome to the fold. I'm looking forward to hearing even more episodes into the future. I also have to give a shout out to Stitcher Radio. I was given a heads up by a listener that um, I am on Stitcher. My podcast is available on Stitcher, but I I don't really ever check it because I don't use Stitcher myself. And I was given a heads up by a listener that nothing past episode 119 was showing up on Stitcher. And so I checked the feed this afternoon and everything seemed fine. I couldn't figure out what the deal was. So I sent in a support ticket. And I am amazed. I heard back within half an hour from like a real person. I mean, I got one of those auto replies. Yes, we've received your ticket. But I heard back almost immediately. uh, And after a couple of quick email exchanges back and forth, they looked into it. And I think we're already well on the way to having it fixed. So all of you Stitcher folks out there, it should be a full house of episodes again soon. Um, Of course, if you listen by Stitcher, you probably aren't even aware that this episode is being posted. (laughs) So, so you know, somehow we'll get the word out. But um, I, I just have to say, Stitcher Radio customer service quite surprisingly excellent. Um, and then just a, a heads up: normally I do try to record my podcast on Sunday, but this coming Sunday is Easter, which my family does celebrate, and I've got. Um, folks coming to my house for Easter dinner. So I won't be recording on Sunday. I do, however, have Monday off, Easter Monday, so I'll probably record something then. So again, my schedule's gotten a little bit off these last couple of weeks, but it should get back um, into some sort of regular schedule, you know, fairly soon. Uh, Sandy update I haven't gotten a lot done this week. I did a little bit more hand dyeing, though not a whole lot. I did post a blog about it. I did some purple scarves as I'm getting ready for some upcoming events at work. Um, I have been asked to uh, hand dye a bunch of purple scarves as gifts for two different events we've got coming up, Um, and I'm getting reimbursed for supplies and such. But the first thing I had to do is figure out what color purple I was using, because I've got three of them. And I really, I wanted to do a dye rather than, I mean, a, an actual purple, one of the purple dyes that you can buy rather than mixing my own um, blue and red just because I can make sure it's more consistent that way. Um, in some cases, I probably won't worry so much about consistency, but in other cases, I kind of want them to look as much the same as possible. So uh, I decided it would just be easier on me to just use a dye so that I'm not worrying so much about do I have exactly the right proportions of color and all that kind of thing. Um So now I know which purple I'm going to go with. I just have to decide how fancy I want to get beyond that. You know, whether I'm going to start messing around with resists or certain fabric manipulations or whatever, or whatever, whether I'm just going to dump these things into dye bath and run, um, because I do have a fair amount of them to do. So that's kind of what I've been up to there. Um, The other thing I mentioned in my last episode that I had some knee issues and had to um, cut back on my working out and give myself some time to rest. I've been building myself back up um, by trying to do some walking, although not so much this week because of the aforementioned busyness. But last week I was getting out and taking walks every afternoon, and and doing pretty well. And so I started using um, because I missed my Zombies run. Uh, we're still waiting for the new ep- the new season <laughs> to be released, and the 5K training is really hard to use unless you're actually training for 5K. I mean that's what it's geared for, so it's hard to just listen to it in other circumstances. Uh, but the folks who do Zombies Run and both apps also do one called The Walk, and so I decided I would try it out. I've known about it for a while, but just hadn't ever really had the opportunity. Um, it's normally a $5 app, but I bought it, I got it on sale, it was only two ninety nine. It's also available for Droid. I have an iPhone. It is also available for Droid. I can't answer to any of the rest of them. You would just have to go to your app store and see whether it is... Um, it's created with the National Health Service and the UK's Department of Health. So it's, it's really um, made to be, it's, it's, it meets the exercise standards, I guess is what I'm trying to say. It's, um, okay, so like Zombies Run, It does have short audio clips of a storyline that you open up as you walk. So you walk to a certain point and you get an audio clip, and then you walk to another point and you get an audio clip, and that's basically the same way Zombies Run works. Um, It is meant to be an activity tracker, so it does actually measure your steps and uh, tracks your GPS and some other things. However, I found, I compared it with my Fitbit and it actually, it gave me credit for almost a thousand steps more than my Fitbit. And the reason is it's because it's on your phone. And so you're carrying your phone around in your pocket and then you flip it up to open the audio clip and stuff. So you're moving your phone around more than just taking your steps, which the Fitbit doesn't do. The Fitbit's stationary, I suppose, depending on how you use it. I clip mine to my bra strap, so it doesn't move much when I'm not moving, um, But the phone does, and so I don't think it's a particularly accurate activity tracker. I wouldn't try using it as your only activity tracker. However, as a motivating supplement to your activity tracker, I do think it would be pretty good. Um, The user interface can be a little bit tricky. One of my disappointments is it... And this is just because the nature of the app is different from the nature of the Zombies Run app. One of the things I love about Zombies Run is it integrates with your music playlist. So I'm listening to my music while I'm on the treadmill or on my elliptical, but then the audio clip, you know, when I've gone a certain amount of time or whatever, the audio clip starts automatically playing. It quiets quiets my um, music and then plays the audio clip and then automatically goes back to my music playlist. So I don't have to do anything. I'm just getting the storylines and the music back and forth. With the walk, it does not integrate with your playlist. It's just a standalone app. Now, you can certainly be listening to your music, but you'd have to then pull your phone out, stop your music, go into the app, click on the audio clip, listen to the audio clip, go back to your music. Um, and that's because the walk, the Zombies Run is meant for a run or for an exercise session. So they're geared to be 30 to 40 minutes long, And then you go into what they call radio mode, which still has a little bit of audio stuff to listen to, but it's mostly just your own playlist. But it's assuming you are having a singular exercise session. The walk is trying to encourage you to walk through the day. So it's meant to just be kind of running in the background all day, measuring your steps through the day and encouraging you to walk more which is pretty cool. And and obviously the ideal would be to kind of use both. So to use the walk during the day and then switch to zombies run when you go to the gym. <laughs> so the two would work very well in tandem. Um, for those of you who don't like zombies, the walk is not about zombies. It's a whole different storyline. Um, there is still a mystery to it. it I'm, I'm not going to tell you what it all is. Um, but again, you're sort of this agent type person who ends up with this mission that you're not even really clear what your mission is. And, you know, it gets revealed to you in each of these audio clips and trying to figure out what's happened to the world, etc. And you're still based in England. Um, actually, I believe you start out in Scotland, if I recall. Um, and you're kind of walking through the countryside. Uh, so that's kind of neat for those of us who are Anglophiles and not physically present in England. Um it would be curious for those of you who are in England if you use the walk what does it feel like to hear you hear about yourself walking through your own states and country I mean not state streets um, and your own countryside I mean I'm just curious about that uh, but in any case the the other thing that's a little bit tricky about the user interface is, is like I said as you're walking you get a notification that you've made it to the next audio clip that you've released that next audio clip and then you have to pull out your app and And play the audio clip. Um, And sometimes it didn't, it wasn't a smooth interface for me to actually get to the audio clip quickly. Uh, And from what I read on reviews and stuff, some people use it through the day and then just wait until they're sitting in one place at night, you know, sitting and watching TV or whatever, and they'll just listen through all the audio clips. But that wouldn't be as motivating to me. I do kind of like the days I was using it. I was just using it around my house. So I'd had my phone sitting on the desk. And then every time I got up to walk, and I was trying to do it like every hour, I'd go up and I'd just walk for two, three minutes, maybe five, just around my house, kind of doing laps in the hallways up and downstairs and stuff. And and it tells you on the app, as you're watching the map that it's showing you for the game, you can see exactly how many more minutes you have to walk to get to the next audio clip. So in that respect, it does give you nice little manageable chunks of goals during the day. It's You sit on your desk, you say, okay, it's time for me to... Start walking. Okay, let me look at my app. I've got to walk four minutes to get to the next goal, so that'll be my thing. I'm going to walk four minutes. In that regard, it was um, motivating. But the problem is, it does nail your cell phone battery. Now, in the middle of all this, I just got my new. I was due for my two year upgrade um, this past Saturday, so I just got a new phone, and I haven't yet tried it on the new phone to see whether my battery power would last longer now that it's you know a new phone with presumably a better battery. Uh, but since the idea is to have it going all day, your phone's always on and tracking your movements. That And they tell you this right at the outside of the game. It says, we know this is going to create issues with your batteries, but we've done everything we can to minimize that. Um, so a lot of it will just depend on your own um, phone and how good your battery power is. What I found myself doing in order to sort of uh, waylay some of that was I kept my phone plugged in while it was sitting on my desk and then, you know, I'd pull it off. But even so it still, I had problems getting my battery to last a whole day when I was using that thing. Um, so it is motivating in that regard. It is interesting. You've got the storyline, you've got goals, you're trying to achieve. I think the interface could be a little bit smoother. I hope they continue to try to work on updating that. Um, the the storyline isn't grabbing me quite as much as zombies run and for those of you if when you say you're you're not uh, keen on zombies zombies run is not scary at all in fact it's very funny i will not watch walking dead i will not watch zombie movies they give me nightmares i can't do it even the sounds i have to be out of the room when my husband is watching walking dead and he loves walking dead um i i'm always upstairs sewing when it's his time to watch walking dead but i love Zombies Run, because it's very tongue-in-cheek. You only rarely even hear zombies, and it's usually from a distance, and it's usually done very funny, you know, so it's just, it's a funny storyline. It's very well run. It's very well acted. I'm having a little bit of problems warming up to the walk storyline and the characters, but I'm still, you know, fairly new, and then unfortunately when I got the new phone and re-downloaded, I had to start over, so it's probably a good thing I hadn't made a ton of progress in the storyline, or I would have been a little ticked. Um, So if you're looking for motivation for walking, I would suggest that you try the walk, see if it works, but know that you're going to have to be recharging your phone (laughs) quite regularly in order to use it. So that's my app review. Um, So let's get into the content. I wanted to talk a little bit about the current project I'm working on because I'm really enjoying it and I'm really hoping I don't mess it up. I really am. Um, I've talked in this podcast before about the fact that I was uh, a catalyst for and a founding member of a quilt design study group. That's mostly women from um, my guild. We're kind of an offshoot group uh, with another friend of mine who goes to another guild. And we meet once a month and we're, well, we're like most of the way through our second year together. So we've done a lot of work, a couple of different books that we've used. In any case, every month we have homework that we're supposed to do. And, you know, sometimes we're a bit hit and miss about it. Actually, getting the homework done, but I've I've been trying to be really good about it this year. And for this next meeting, we are supposed to be working on luminosity. And so I wanted to talk a little bit about luminosity. Uh, What when I referred to before, um, I was I just suddenly looked at a calendar and realized, oh my word, my design study group meeting is next week. I don't know where I lost track of April. It feels like it's flying by. Um, I guess that's because I've had so many evening conference calls <laughs> it kind of you know keeps me a little bit busy, so April is just it's got wings uh so suddenly i'm i'm i've got my homework is due next week, and i hadn't even started it, but I kind of knew what I wanted to do uh anyway luminosity if you've not heard of it before um that's a term that means you're using color and value to make a quilt look like it's glowing from within or like it has an inner light. Um, It's the way you place the color and value. It's the the colors and the values of those colors that you choose and how you work them against each other and all of that kind of stuff that really creates luminosity. Using yellow or white are very obvious ways that you can use luminosity, although just by virtue of putting yellow something is in something is not going to guarantee it's going to look luminous. It's really, there's a bit of a trick to it, which is why it becomes our homework in our design study group. Um, you really have to pay close attention to value and placement. Any color can look luminous. It doesn't have to just be yellow and white. And and I'm going to be posting some links to this episode that'll help you see some examples of how this works. Uh, but it's mostly, it's really about your value placement and your color placement. It's how you play those things off of each other that helps something actually look luminous. It, it's it's not something I can really describe. You have to see it. And there, I mean, there's quilts that do value differences um, and place them very nicely. I mean, all of us have to deal with value and contrast and all that kind of thing in any quilt that we design Um, and you can have value and contrast in a quilt and it still doesn't look luminous it's really about where you put it and what colors are right next to it and all of that kind of thing that really bring that value that that luminous um, that luminosity out and it can also have kind of a 3d effect and again you'll see that when you when you look at the links that i'm going to post in the show notes to this episode Whenever I think luminosity, the first quilt artist I think of is Ginny Beyer. Um, she is a master of this technique. If you look up particularly Ginny Byer's Borealis quilt, and I will post a link to it um, off of her website. She has a gallery on her website, and I'll post a link directly to Borealis in the show notes. Um, but she's got several quilts that show luminosity. And if you look at them closely, you'll also realize she doesn't really use always yellow or white. It's all about value. So it might be a lighter blue or a lighter red, but it's all in how it works with all the other quilts and the, all the other colors in the quilt. Um, the other thing you can do, and, and what I did when I was first starting to think through what I wanted to do for this homework, is go on Pinterest and go, and use the search engine. I almost said Google. You don't Google in Pinterest. Uh, just look up luminosity quilts, or some sort of similar phrase, and you will get great examples. And I'm going to post a link to, um, I did a search, and then I've got a link to the results of that search. So you're going to see, hopefully, if the link works, you'll see a whole lot of examples. Um a couple of my favorites are a quilt that's called It's About Time by Janet Stedman, and on the search engine, at least right now, when I looked it up in the, the link I pulled, that one shows up right in the top row, and it's just stunning. And then if you scroll much further down, there's another one that I really like that's called Lattice Works VI, which is Roman numeral fi, VI, Lattice Works VI by Carol Olson, and that one is an excellent example of the 3D nature of well-done luminosity. Um, so those are just a couple, but like I said, I'm going to post a link to the search results, so you'll see a whole bunch of them. And actually, a lot of them that are in that search results that say, oh, this is luminosity, thus and so, it's like, it does, nah, it doesn't really look luminous to me. That's just value contrast. It's not really glowing. And then other ones, they really look like they're actually glowing from inside. It's pretty cool. So as I was thinking through what I wanted to do for my homework, I immediately thought hand dyeing. And so I started hand dyeing a bunch of yellows and of various, I was going to do kind of a value scale from very light to darker yellow and then put it next to some complementary colors and stuff. And I was thinking pieced, um, something pieced. And I didn't really have a design in my mind. I was sort of just starting to conceive what I might do. Um, But then as I was digging through my um, shelf where I keep all my hand dyes, that I've created over the last year. Uh, I pulled out some hand dyes I had done last summer and just happened to flip one open or it fell open, I think, as I pulled it off the shelf. And I realized, oh my, that's perfect in and of itself. And I, <laughs> there's part of me that almost feels like I'm cheating because I'm not piecing. So in that regard, I'm not really doing the work of having to figure out color and value and how to place your fabrics just so that they, so that they really look like they're glowing. On the other hand... Um, You know, hand dyeing is a skill too. (laughs) So I'm going to take that much credit. Although, you know, a lot of times when I do stuff, I don't really plan it. I just do what I'm going to do and then see what turns out. But this was one of my favorite pieces that I did last summer. And it's one of the ones I refer to as a tapestry um, dye only because it's a a half yard full length. So it's about 18 inches wide and about 40, I think I measured it out to about 43 inches uh, long. So it's very narrow, very long, and then the way it's dyed, I knew I wasn't ever going to cut this thing. It needed to be seen as a whole piece, so I kept it as a whole piece and referred to it as a tapestry, and all I'm doing is free motion quilting on it to bring out the image that it reminds me of when I see it, and I don't want to say a whole lot more than that (laughs) until I've got it done and I can post pictures, Um, but it's been, it's fun to do the free motion quilting, and I realized the classes that I've taken so far even though I haven't I still don't feel super confident in my free motion quilting I feel confident enough that I actually sat down one night and just started doing this I was like okay I'm not going to really sweat this I'm just going to sit down and do it and it's turning out really nicely so (laughs) I guess other than like I said when I started working past nine o'clock and got a few slightly wonkier leaves showing up um, but for the most part it's turned out very nicely and I hope to have that finished like I said I'm, I'm hoping to get a little more in tonight and could quite possibly finish up the quilting on it tonight. It's going pretty quickly because I'm, I'm doing light quilting. I'm not doing a, a real thick or heavy um, thread painting or thread sketching or anything. It's just sort of a light quilting design to sort of say, hey, this is the image that I'm going for here. Um, I'm not really keen on the backing that I used, but it'll do because, you know, it's the back. <laughs> So nobody's going to see it. I I didn't want to use one of my other hand-dyed tapestries because I like to have those showing. They're they're all very nice. Um, And so I just pulled something out of my commercial stash that I thought would work okay. And I did want something that was light, or hmm, it is light. It's kind of a a gray. Um, It is a tone on tone because I knew I was going to be using a lot of variegated threads. So I thought, well, if my quilting is actually decent you know, it'll might look kind of cool from the back too. (laughs) So we'll see how that turns out. Um, so in any case, I'm, I'm doing mostly, uh, it's mostly unmarked free motion quilting. I did do a little bit of kind of sketching out where I was heading when I first got started, just to give myself that little bit of confidence. I didn't try to trace those lines exactly. Um, but just to help me know where I was going, because it's not super obvious in some places where I would need to go next. Um, and I'm using really pretty threads again, which is, I'm going to be talking about that in a minute. So uh, that's been a lot of fun. And the, the thing about the luminosity that comes out with this piece, you'll see it when I post a picture of it, is I had dyed, um, gee, I don't remember exactly how I dyed this thing, uh, how I arranged the fabric. And I'm going to have to go back in my blog and see if I posted an in-process picture of this um, when I did them. And... It, it what it's i used um blue a particular blue called intense blue which is sort of like a nice saturated royal blue and then a lighter yellow and then a golden yellow i think were the three colors i must have mixed in this looking at the results i've got and so it moves from this blue in the bottom to kind of this wonderful emerald green in the middle towards more of a yellow green at the top and then um you've got the yellow and the golden yellow kind of running through the green part. So it, it just, I mean, it looks like a walk in the woods is what it looks like. And so that's the quilting I'm kind of doing to enhance that image. Um, but boy, that golden yellow just pops right out at you. It just looks like it is glowing, you know, the sun glowing through the leaves. It's It's just right there. So I decided it was really kind of a gimme. I could not... <laughs> I couldn't say, no, no, I can't use that. Let me piece something instead. No, this is this is what I'm going to do. And actually the quilting and everything I'm doing on it is exactly what I always thought I would do on it as soon as I saw, you know, the way the dye had turned out. So I'm completing a project I wanted to do last summer. Um, so that's a lot of fun. And and Luminosity, this has been an interesting one for us to work on. We've done a lot of color-based design challenges through this group Um And honestly, I was kind of getting a little tired of, okay, one more complimentary, one more analogous, you know, kind of doing these things, because we've gone through two books now that had both of those kinds of things in them. Three books, maybe, I think we're on. Um, So it was nice to do kind of a different one this time. And I think in a couple of months, we've got transparency coming up, which is going to be a whole lot of other fun to do. (laughs) So... Anyway, use I like I said, I'm going to post the links to the Luminosity ones on um, the show notes of this episode and, and look it up because it is gorgeous stuff. And if you've never heard that before, as soon as you see these links, you're going to know exactly, you're going to say, oh, that's what that's called, you know, because you've seen it. I'm sure you've seen it. Um, and I would say try it. If you haven't done a quilt that really, you know, that you're challenging yourself to kind of bring out that luminous uh, design element to it. Um, try it, because it's a lot of fun to think through how you're going to do this. I still would like to try to do one pieced at some point, because like I said, it's all about how you place the colors next to each other um, in order to really get that effect. And if you have done a quilt that shows luminosity, please um, post it in Flickr, Post a link on the comments, post, you know, write a blog post about it, and then post the link to your blog post in the comments to this episode. Whatever. Share your own luminous quilts with the rest of us. Okay, um, thread review. I have been using a lot of my threads, my fun threads, lately, so I thought I would just let you know a little bit about what's out there. I have not done extensive testing, nor am I any sort of a thread guru. I'm still kind of new to using different kinds of threads, so all I'm going to be doing is talking to you about the threads that I've used and what I liked about them. Um, I am still, and will always be likely, an Aurifil girl for piecing. I still... I don't really piece with anything else unless I happen to completely run out of Aurifil. Um, Aurifil, spelled A-U-R-I-F-I-L, for those of you who don't know, um, has a 50-weight thread thread for piecing that it's thin and incredibly strong and extremely low lint. I have very randomly heard once in a great while of somebody whose machine does not like Aurifil, but that's the exception rather than the rule. Um... It is, it's just a beautiful thread to work with. I love working with it. Um, I had a lot of threads that I used before that, my early years, of, early years of quilting, and it would break and lint and just all sorts of issues. I used my first spool of Aurifil and never looked back. That, that is my thread for piecing. However, um, now that I've done the stupendous Stitching project and now that I'm doing my Design Study Group project, I've been playing with a lot of um, new-to-me threads Uh, that have just been all sorts of pretty (laughs) to play with. So I thought I would let you know about a few of them. Uh, First is Superior Threads. Superior Threads has a lot of very nice threads. They also have a fantastic website with a boatload of information about thread in general, and they've got a very good newsletter. So you might want to go on their website, subscribe to the newsletter. You will learn a lot about thread. Sure, they're trying to sell you their thread, but they just provide a ton of information about thread in general. That's very helpful. Um, so I've got several of these Superior Threads that I've been using and all of these, I have just picked up you know, a th- spool here, a spool there from various vendors over the years, um, basically because it was pretty. Um, and Superior Threads, you can also get sample packs and I'll talk about that in a minute. So I've got several of these are from a sample pack. Uh, the first one I used is from their Rainbows line and these are all variegated threads They seem to, at least every one of the rainbows, and I've got several of them here, um, all seem to be a one-inch color change. So that means it's variegated, which means that the thread has a lot of colors on one strand of thread. And in this case, that color changes every one inch. Um, It's a 40-weight polyester thread, 40-weight being slightly heavier than 50-weight. Remember, thread goes backwards (laughs) from what you would think. Um, The higher the number, the thinner the thread. But the 40-weight polyester, um, is, it's very nice. It's really easy to work with. These rainbows have just got the yummiest, most gorgeous colors. The poly has a very nice sheen to it, so it stands out, but it doesn't, like, jump off the fabric at you like a metallic will. It's not a sparkly thing. It just has this nice little gentle sheen. I really loved using the rainbows for my decorative stitches. I used several of them on um, my stupendous Stitching project, the color changes were really obvious. They worked really well in some of the heavier stitched decorative um, things, I believe, on my stupendous stitching project. I think I had one that was like a leaf or something where it kind of started out narrow, got really wide, and then got narrow again. And I used one of the rainbows on that. And it just, it was beautiful because every one of those leaves had a couple of two, three different colors in it. So it was really cool. Um I'm now using one of the rainbows in a looser continuous line design on my um, tapestry. And I intentionally chose a color that's blending a little bit more because I really want the hand-dyed fabric to be the star. I didn't want to cover that all up with something distracting. But the variegation stands out just enough so that you can see the quilting. It's it's really nice. I'm I'm loving the way this is turning out. So I really like the the rainbows line. I will probably find myself collecting them. In fact, when I got home from lancaster and was putting my threads away i realized i'd bought a spool i already owned, <laughs> so i've now got two of this one particular color range but it's a gorgeous one so i'm sure i'll use it uh, so those are very nice so you do want to check out superior rainbows um, also superior threads has one called highlights and these are not variegated um, but they're basically they say it's a high sheen trilobo poly as opposed to ver- the rainbows which are just a poly but i don't know if that's actually a difference. It's hard for me to tell just looking at them whether the highlights is actually shinier than the rainbows. The highlights are solid colors. They're not variegated. They're also 40 weight, Um, but man, they're gorgeous colors. Again, you want to eat these things. They're so beautiful. Um, So that was another nice one. Again, it worked about the same. I had no problem with breakage or lint. Well, you don't really have lint on polys, but um, none of these I had problems with breakage at all. None of them. So, um, well... Okay, once when I tried to ram my presser foot <laughs> over, over some couch thread, and that was, you know, user error. I really should have. <laughs> Again, that was one of those moments, just put it down, walk away. <laughs> I was like determined to get that thing done. And I was just trying to make the presser foot go where the presser foot had no business going. But anyway, that's a whole other story. Um, so the highlights are also very nice. There's also a line called Magnifico, and these are again a 40 weight poly again these are beautiful colors i can't i don't know what makes a difference between their highlights line and their magnifico line i suspect it has something to do with designers and how they're marketed but other than that they kind of feel like basically the same threads but they're all gorgeous they all have that slight sheen they all worked very smoothly so they're they're nice um, then they also have another line art studio colors these might be related to Ricky Tims um, I think and again 40 weight poly slight sheen they look a lot like Magnifico and the rainbows except they're solid colors um, they're not variegated and just a beautiful selection of colors. so all of those you really you know you might want to check out Superior threads and and all of them worked gorgeously in my machine Um, now again I mentioned earlier from Superior you can get sampler sets which are prepackaged sets of samples of a variety of their threads Um, And those are a little bit more expensive because you're getting, you're actually kind of selecting, I think, what you're getting. Or you can get something that they call their Try Me Special. And this is what I did. I did it like three or four years ago. I haven't done it recently. But you choose what kind of thread you want to try, and then they choose the colors. So you're going to get random colors. So, you know, there's an element of risk with it. And in fact, that's why... I'm only just now using the threads I got in my samplers because they they were beautiful colors, but they weren't colors I was working in at the time or that I was confident quilting in with my quilt skills at the time. Um, so now I'm actually at a point where I'm pulling them out and using them. Um, but you can get, the, the Try Me specials are a little less expensive. Um, so that's a fun way to just kind of test out some new threads. Again, you're just not gonna choose the color. They do also include long-arm threads for the, all of you long-armers out there, and you can get long-arm sampler packs and long-arm Try Me specials. So, AJ, you might want to pay attention to that. Um, so that was that Superior Threads. I'm, I'm a fan of Superior. You know, I, I had no concerns about any other threads that I tried. Sulky, I have a couple of Sulky threads. One is a 100% cotton mercerized matte finish variegated. Um, it, you know, just the difference between working with a poly and a 100% cotton, the cotton does feel, it's a little bit more lint, linty, it feels a little bit rougher, there's not really a shine to it, but different uses, you know, you're going to use it in different kinds of quilting. Uh, the, one, the 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 um, spool that I happen to have has a much more uh, subtle variegation, it doesn't say on the spool how long the variegation is, it's definitely longer than one inch but it's probably maybe only two or three. It's hard to tell because the colors themselves, the, the variegation is a very muted variegation, so it was harder for me to see. It does have a nice feel to it. It's got a nice sheen for a cotton. I didn't use a lot of this. I don't recall a whole lot of breakage, but again, I you know when I didn't use it as much, I can't attest to that as well. If any of you have used the sulky um, 100% cotton variegated, uh, let us know. Give us your opinion as well. Uh, for those of you who are new to the thread world, there can of, you can have two cotton threads from the same manufacturer, the same line. One's a solid and one's a variegated and they will behave differently. So you just, you know, you can't always be sure that just because one particular thread is good, the other one is also going to be good. You need to kind of test them out. Um, so I did, I liked the Sulky. It, it was lintier than my Aurifil, um, you know, but it's hard to stand up to Aurifil when it comes to lint. Uh, then I also have a 40 weight Rayon um, from Sulky, which is also variegated, but again, very subtle. I was in, apparently I was in a mellow mood when I <laughs> bought those threads because they're a very subtle variegation. Um, that one, it's a yellow, uh, kind of a yellow to a deep yellow, a very pale yellow to a very deep yellow is the variegation. It kind of looks like it might be every six inches or so. That was a, a much longer um, a much longer variegation. And when you're sewing, again, or when you're quilting, for those of you who are newer to this, the length of variegation really matters um, in terms of how it's going to look. So you have to pull it out and kind of test it on a sample first, to make sure you're going to be happy with the way that the color is changing through whatever stitch you're using. Um, I did have problems with the rayon, and I've had this problem with rayon threads before. They they slide right out of my needle. <laughs> you know, if there's any little snap, all of a sudden the thread is flying all over the place because it's so slick. Um, it's hard to kind of keep it where it's supposed to go. That's my only problem. I'm not as keen on working with rayons. Um, maybe I'm the only person that has that problem. Does anybody else have thread go flying... <laughs> Suddenly it's kind of wafting through the air because it's flown completely out of everything it was supposed to be attached to. Um, And then the other thread that I used, and I got several of these spools um, from kind of a remnant bin in Lancaster. It's YLI machine quilting, 100% mercerized cotton thread, and it's also got a matte finish. It's a 40 weight cotton. Somehow it felt a little bit even thicker to me than other 40 weight cottons, but I might just be off on that. My fingertips might have been more sensitive one day than the other. Um, It's, again, definitely a 40 weight cotton, definitely feels heavier and thicker than a 40 weight poly, so that's another thing you're going to want to take into account when you're choosing your threads. I haven't used this really much at all. Um, I'm not as fond of the way it feels when I run it through my fingers. It feels like it, it's not slubs, it doesn't have, you know, lumps in it, but it's, it's almost like it crimps or something. It, it just, it doesn't feel quite as nicely smooth and it doesn't lay quite as nicely on the table when I string it out. But again, it, that might be more the particular spools I have because they were, they were like um, remnants. They were the thread, the, when they wind the spools at the manufacturers, there's always some left at the end that doesn't fit on a spool. It's like not, not quite enough to make another spool and so that's what they were selling as remnants. So they're like partial spools of these different kinds, but they were dirt cheap. So <laughs> I was willing to go for it. Um, so if any of you have used the YLI uh, machine quilting cotton, 100% cotton threads, again, give us your opinion because I just feeling these, they don't feel as nice to me. But again, I, I haven't really used them as much. I've used them a little bit on my test sandwich, you know, just to, to use up some thread. Um when I was choosing which threads I was going to use, I did the old trick, a lot of people do this, where you pull the thread on top of the project, so you pull a bunch, and you have to pull like, you know, two feet worth off the spool and kind of pull it on top of your quilt so you can have some idea of what it's actually going to look like. It's still hard to know. I have actually had times where I've taken a scrap of whatever fabric I'm going to be quilting, if I have any left, and I create a very quick quilt sandwich and just test it out actually sewing it because sometimes you really can't even see it well when you pull it on top of the quilt Um, and then like I said with variegation I you know if I really care about what the results are going to be I try to test it out first on a quilt sandwich or practice sandwich just to see um, what it's going to look like so that's my word about thread again all y'all have gathered knowledge as well, far more than me when it comes to Thread. I'm sure many of you do. So uh, leave comments to the episode about your own experience with Thread, what your own loves are, and your own hates. Go ahead. If you've got one that you just refuse to use, go ahead and tell us. All right, I'm going to take a quick glance at my listener comments and see whether I can um, take the time, (laughs) because I'm already at 45 minutes to, to do any listener feedback. Hang on just a minute. Okay, let's give this a shot and see how we do. By the way, well I was checking my email, I got an email from Stitcher Radio and they think they've fixed the feed, so I'm going to check it again. Sometimes it can take 24 hours for the new feed to show up, but I will check it and see how we're doing. Um, Thank you to Tammy for her email. This was uh, a couple of weeks ago about yarn pieces for art quilting, and I wanted to share this with you because she said um, she sent me a picture of some yarn snippets that she bought at a quilt festival some years ago. Uh, she said, I thought of them when I listened to your podcast rant about wanting snippets of cool yarns without having to buy a whole scheme. Um, the packet has a color-coordinated nest of interesting yards. And then she says the company is Bead Ranch. And I looked, and I don't think they're still in business, Tammy, unfortunately. And she, she said that might be possible because she's had this package for a long time. Um I looked at the, the website, I looked at their Etsy shop, There they had links to two, like a Facebook page, none of it looked like it had had, most of it was empty, um, so I don't think they're still in business, which is unfortunate, because yeah, it's a great photo, so if any of you know anything about the bead ranch, and whether or not they still are in business and sell snippets of, you know, bags of snippets of yarns, give me a shout, because I'd love to know. Thank you for that information, Tammy. Um, Thank you to Judy, who is a new listener who is going back in time and listening to old podcasts, (laughs) and she says sometimes she feels like she's in a time warp but is having great fun. So thank you, Judy. Welcome aboard. Uh, Thank you also to Steffi and those of you who um, have been listening for a while, you know, Steffi is my friend who sends me pictures every summer when I'm out of town for days and days and days on end. And so she just wanted to let me know. I'd I'd been in touch to say, hey, I haven't heard from you in a while. Are you okay? And she says she's um, quiet most of the time. She is still listening and she's done a lot of spinning and knitting. And so I'm looking forward to, she she has sent me pictures in the past of her spinning and knitting. So I'm looking forward to getting more pictures in the future. And in fact, she did send me a picture of the current spinning project she's working on and it is just gorgeous. It is hand dyed, um, roving. It doesn't look like wool to me though, Steffi, so let me know what that actually is. You didn't say what the fiber was. It almost looks like silk. Um, it spins into a very, very, very fine yarn, so give me a little more information on that. Boy, that's beautiful. On the 2014 Quilty Resolution check-in, go make sure you go back and look because some folks did post some links to their own blog posts, and some of them posted it like... They couldn't post after the linky was closed, but some of them posted later in the week. So make sure you go back and check that to see that you did post every or you read everybody's blog posts. Um, thank you to Catherine, Maureen, Terry, Beverly, Catherine, different Catherine, Kati, and Kelly V. Kelly V, it's nice to hear from you. I don't think I've heard from you in a while, who all posted on my talking about some hand dyes, oh yeah, blog post. I've been, uh, oh man, I've been having so much fun being back in my dye studio again. And a lot of folks actually do like the neutrals that I was playing with. And in fact, I have sold one to a friend of mine, but she hasn't picked which one yet. So now that I've settled on what I'm gonna charge her for them, I'm gonna bring them to her next week in our design study group and she'll pick out which one she wants to buy. Um, I did make a comment in there about how blue dye was, the, the turquoise and the navy blue were very aggressive dyes. And uh, Catherine uh, commented, who is a hand dyer, and she said it's actually the opposite. The reds, especially fuchsia, is the one that says me first. And I I know that, and I know that's normally true, that red, um, the, the term is it strikes first, it hits first. Uh, but what I found, and I was actually visibly watching this happen <laughs> as I put the one of the, particularly one of them, as I put it in the dye bath, I could see the turquoise was the first one up and over the little bubble of fabric um, there. And the the red stayed in with the blue. I think, you know, it's like anything else. It, it, you're going to have variations depending on the particular circumstances in which you are dying at that given moment. Um, even, you know, in my basement using the same formulas, it'll happen differently once to the, the next. I think on the navy blue, um, I think... It might not be so much that it moved more quickly than the red, but that it obliterated (laughs) the red. So it's possible the red got in there first and then the blue just moved in and said, "Uh uh-uh, I'm the one that's going to be here and just took over. Because it's a very deep navy blue and it really did dominate everything I put it in. So I think what I'm going to do next time I use it is cut it back a little. I mean, there are times when I'm going to want that dominating navy blue. But I think for what I was trying to achieve, I'm going to try it again, but dilute it somewhat so I can get a little more variance in it. So, anyway, um, Catherine and I did have some emails back and forth about that as well. Uh, Maureen says she has no interest in doing any hand dye. So, there, <laughs> she didn't say that. I'm saying it. But she does enjoy what she's doing. And she says, I especially like the blue from the Shibori dyeing. Um, And she was curious what wrist warmers do. And they do really just keep your wrists warm. For those of us who live in colder climes, (laughs) uh, it is true. If you can keep your extremities warm, it tends to help keep your whole body warm. So if you can keep your feet and hands and head warm, um, all over is warmer. And so I have gotten in the habit of wearing a wrist warmer or a hand warmer when I'm in my office, because if my hands get cold, I'm cold, regardless of what else I'm wearing everywhere else on my body. Um... Terry says she tends to be a gray sort of gal, so she likes that stuff, and she wanted to make sure that every time I wrote the word "dying," I made sure it contained the essential E, because otherwise it sounds like I have been terminated. Uh, Beverly has tried some fabric dyeing, and she's had a lot of fun with it, um, and Kati loved the orange, pink, and fuchsia. And she said, I had beautiful hands. Thank you so much. I usually don't take pictures of my hands when they're looking a little less than nice. Uh, so, And Kelly, of course, also liked the hand dyes. I, I love hand dyeing. I really do. And for people who worry that it's a mess, it is so easy to clean up. You just make sure you don't get it on your clothes and you are good to go. Um, thank you to Jackie and Sarah and Quilt and Jenny, who all posted on... Oh, that's actually three different post blog posts there. A um, couple people appreciated my tutorial on how I did my spring postcard swap with the thread and the dissolvable um, stabilizer, which I have been collecting more thread for. Um, the The stuff that flies off the ends of your hand dyes when you're um, running them through the wash, you know, you get all that fringy stuff raveling off the sides of your fabrics. I've been collecting all of that because it is also hand dyed. And so it's beautiful stuff. And someday I'm going to throw it between some water soluble stabilizer and make some more fabric out of it. Also on my blog for Scrappitude Post Compiled, I got a message from somebody who was friendly, but anonymous, who then later let me know, um, I think, oh, now I don't have that. Uh, Janet? I'm sorry. I'll get to it eventually. Um, but there's a place called PrintFriendly.com, which I have now put on the side of my blog. So if you're looking for the Scrappitude directions, I posted a um, one post last week that had all of the Scrappitude posts compiled in one place. And then I put the f- PrintFriendly button on the side of my blog so you can just print them off as PDFs. So you've got them for the future. Um, thank you so much to... F- Uh, Is it Philippa or Philippa? Ozzy Pip. I only ever think of you as Ozzy Pip, uh, who posted on my um, Scrappitude. And she wants to post it. She wants to pin it on her Pinterest board so she can remember it later. Um, Let's see. Who else? A bunch of people posted a few times. Sue in upstate New York, who I also hadn't heard from for a while. It's nice to hear you back. Um, Sue is always up insanely early running. Uh, (laughs) that's, That's my main image of Sue running in the dark in the winter. (laughs) I guess, Sue, hopefully you've got, I don't know, a headlamp on or something. Um, But she posted on my hand eyes and she's, she also has Frida's book and she likes the results very much. Um, And she's come up with her own recipes based on Frida's colors. And it is, I like her book. And yes, Sue, I do also have Ann Johnson's latest DVD. It is absolutely worth every penny. There's a lot of great stuff in that. And now that I'm back in my basement again, I've actually been thinking I want to pull that out and watch it again. Um, And there it is. It is Janet. Janet was friendly but anonymous. So thank you, Janet, for letting me know about printfriendly.com. I have since spread the word to some other folks as well. Um, Ms. Lottie. Lottie, the new podcaster, asked me if I'd done a tutorial on my methods for ice and snow dyeing, And I've not done a tutorial for it because I was pulling from other people's um, things. But now that I've done it a lot, I have kind of learned some tricks myself. And then there's one thing I want to experiment with a little bit. So I think I'm going to wait until after I do my experiments uh, to see if I change my method at all, um, just based on what I've learned about certain parts of the process. And I want to see if I did it in a different order, if what would happen. Um, so pay attention. Yes, I might do a tutorial fairly soon. I've actually found myself doing a lot more ice dyeing. If you remember way back when the very first time I did ice dyeing, I was not at all sold on the process and I was pretty sure I was never going to do it again. And now I'm doing it pretty regularly. So, um, I did learn how to basically narrow the process down to something I could much more easily manage and do and get better results for. So I've, I've learned in that regard. So yeah, I'm, I want to do my one little experiment thing and then I'll post something on my blog. Okay, I also want to say thank you to AJ Dub and my sister Diane and my sister Diane again. <laughs> and there's Lottie again. And Jackie, oh, a lot of people posted a few times. And Jean, that's a new name. Thank you, Jean. Um, oh, she wanted to know what my fiber was in my pareo and that one was actually cotton. I don't think I can get a bamboo one from Dharma Trading. I'll have to look again. I love bamboo fabric, absolutely love bamboo fabric, but it's harder to get. It, it's not as prevalent as some of the as cottons and silks, and it's more expensive, so um, I don't have as much of it, but I do. Every time I see something that's done in bamboo that I could dye, I grab it because I I love the way the bamboo feels. It's so nice and smooth and soft and comfy. Love it. Oh, and by the way, yes, my stationary tub sink drains. It is such a lovely sound. Okay, I had made a comment um, when I was talking back to some listeners. It's a recent episode about the number of machines people had. And Leah let me know she has five machines set up and operational in her studio, two Janomes, a serger, a standalone embroidery machine, and an APQS Liberty long, armor, long Arm. She also has a couple of collector machines and a 40-year-old Bernina at the cabin that she plans to give away. And I presume you mean the Bernina, not the cabin. <laughs> if you're giving away a cabin, pick me, pick me. Um... So there's somebody with a fair number of machines and somebody on, oh, on Twitter. Oh, I'm sorry, I don't remember who was just asking today. She was looking at a new sewing machine, was asking about Janome's and a bunch of us were saying, yeah, we love Janome's. So here you've got another person. Leah is a Janome girl. Um, thank you to Sherry D, who also said, um, I'm wondering if... if what the ruler was that folks are complaining about the June if she said if it's like the June Taylor fringe cut ruler, that one slips too. I don't have the fringe cut, but I imagine it's probably a similar idea. What Sherry says is she uses clear next care tape to reduce the slippage. Next care is found in the first aid section of your local stores. It has a nubby side that helps stabilize all kind of rulers. So I might I might check up on that. Um and again Different people have had different reactions to that whole June Taylor shape cut thing. (laughs) So I didn't realize how controversial that was all going to be when I talked about it. Uh, Thank you to Lauren. And she says, no, she hasn't done the disappearing pinwheels. She's answering a question that I asked when she commented on another episode. Uh, She says, I've got all the other projects done or at least moved far enough along that I could clear away the cutter and then got stopped at the point where the next project is to quilt the king size quilt that I ought to have done by Easter or Mother's Day, or maybe 4th of July. <laughs> she says it's big and it's scary, and it's been easier to go crochet Afghan squares together. Um, So Lauren, my question to you is, it's nearly Easter. How are we doing on quilting the king-size quilt? Those inquiry minds, we just want to know. Uh, another comment from Lottie, she said she started a stitch bible once after she took a class on her Bernina Um, And she said, well, it's been more than a year and I never got past the first page. So Lottie, put down the hand eyes and go back (laughs) and finish your stitch Bible. It really is very helpful to have. Um, Thank you also to Jennifer. I'm skipping all you folks who commented multiple times. I always appreciate when I see the same names popping up. That's always nice. Uh, Kitty emailed me a picture of her stupendous stitching. She took the same class on Craftsy and she also did stupendous stitching. And I loved her result. I asked her to make sure she, if she could, um, post it in Flickr. I really enjoyed seeing the different hand embroidery um, stitches she used, and some. Uh, there, she's also got some really cool that look like machine. I can't imagine she did those by uh, by hand. Um, but part of my problem is again because I'm kind of new to the whole hand embroidery thing, it was hard for me to even decide what designs to do where. And so I'm, you know, I'm kind of looking at what other people have done to say, oh, I like that one. I can do that stitch next time. So that was, um, I really appreciate that, Kitty. And it was a gorgeous project. I, um, again, do post it online for other people to see, <laughs> it'd be very nice. Uh, Gretchen also sent me a picture of her example of gradation, even though it's not quilting, it's, um, cross-stitching is that i think that's cross-stitching and i'm not a cross-stitcher so i don't know if there's other types of things that look like cross-stitching but aren't actually cross-stitching but anyway these are just beautiful and yes they are definitely examples of gradation um and again gretchen although gretchen's off abroad so i think her ability to post stuff online is a little bit limited um But I've encouraged her to. She's had to kind of step away from her blog a little bit, but I definitely think you need to post those pictures somewhere if you can post them in my Flickr group or whatever so other people can see them. Oh, I did also need to let you know, I do now know who the second winner is of the Craftsy, the free Craftsy class. If you remember, um, Craftsy inadvertently drew a winner too soon, and so they were nice enough to draw a second winner. And I do want to say, again, congratulations to Gretchen, the one I was just talking about. She was the winner of the second Craftsy class. So um, that was two of you, and I can't wait to hear what classes you choose and what your experience is with them. And I think that's it for listener feedback. I think that finally catches me up. That was a few weeks worth (laughs) of listener feedback. So thank you everybody for um, your comments. I always enjoy them and I love getting pictures too. Um, Although I hate to hog them just to myself. If you can post them to Flickr, please do. Uh, And I think that's it. So again, I will not be recording on Sunday, but hopefully on Monday. Um, So that's it for this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. (laughs) and now I have to Go get some sewing done myself. So you know how you can get a hold of me. You can email me at sandyquilts at gmail.com, Sandy with a Y, Quilts with a Z. You can follow the blog, you can follow me on Twitter, Pinterest, Goodreads, Flickr, all of those places. I'm Sandy Quilts, Sandy with a Y, Quilts with a Z. You can like the Quilting for the Rest of Us page on Facebook. You can join the Quilting for the Rest of Us Flickr group, and I really hope you do, because I love seeing your pictures. And you can join the Quilting for the Rest of Us Kiva team and do good all over the world. And you will find links for all of those things at the show notes to this whole podcast. I almost said show notes to this episode, but it's for the whole podcast and my blog are all at www.quiltingfortherestofus.com. And until next time, go get your quilty on. Quilting for the Rest of Us is dedicated to Shirley. Love you, Mom.